Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Yo. Technology. What is it all about? What's so funny? There is so much heat and light around Theranos. And obviously it fizzled. And it feels like you guys are on the cusp of actually doing the thing. Yes. But nobody knows about you. Isn't that kind of weird? <laughs> yeah, well, this is, this is part of us knowing about us. So um, but I think this is part of us ramping up now and not getting ahead of our skis, which is making a whole bunch of claims that we can't back up using our science first. But... Hello and welcome to Danny in the Valley. How is everybody doing? We're almost, we're almost there, almost to Christmas. Um, just a note on that point before we get started today. I had said that this would be the last episode of 2023. I was not telling the truth. It's not. Um, I kind of messed up my dates. So I'm going to record one more for you all next week. And I think you will find the subject matter very interesting, very pertinent, very timely. Uh, we have a great guest, so stay tuned for that. No more spoilers. But this week, so you all know the story of Theranos, this, you know, the amazing rise and fall, this tragic story of Elizabeth Holmes, who sold this dream of being able to do all of your blood tests from a single drop of blood from your finger. It was this really alluring idea. She raised hundreds of millions of dollars, took in kind of really the world, but it turned out she was lying about the technology and never worked and became this massive scandal that spawned a mini industry of books, podcasts, films, television series, etc. Well, that was a while ago. And a funny thing has happened while no one was looking. Another company called Babson Diagnostics is just about to deliver on what Theranos was promising all those years ago. So a couple months ago, I met David Stein, who is Babson's chief executive. And when he was passing through the Bay Area, we sat down and he brought along with him Babson's key invention, which is this little finger prick device that takes a little bit of blood about the size of a pea. So it's not a single drop, but it's not much. And it's from your finger. And with that, they can do a whole bunch of, you know, your kind of standard diagnostic blood tests. So no need for getting your forearm jabbed with a big needle. It's a big deal. And Ab Babson has been working on this in the background for eight years in, you know, relative anonymity. Nobody even really knows about this company. But just in the past week, the company got a key approval from the FDA, which means that by early next year, it's new blood testing system, this holy grail at the heart of the Theranos story, that scandal, will be realized. It will be out there in the world. So I sat down with David to talk about, you know, how he pulled this off, what it was like working in the shadow of the kind of the Theranos circus while they were all, you know, working on a similar technology and, you know, kind of what they saw, what they thought, and what it means for all of us when sometime soon we could easily get our blood drawn at, you know, the pharmacy, the chemist, the supermarket, and just the implications for public health. So it's just a really interesting story because Babson 
isn't sexy. Babson Diagnostics, even the, even the name compared to Theranos, just doesn't have quite the same, uh, you know, frisson, if you will. Uh, that's French. Uh, but it's just a bunch of people from deep inside the diagnostics industry who set out to solve a big problem without the fanfare, and they're just about there. So it's a fascinating counterweight to the kind of the hype machine that often sucks up all the oxygen in the room, even if there's not a lot of substance behind it. So with that, I will now hand you over to my conversation with David Stein of Babson Diagnostics. Enjoy. Let's just start with the most basic question. What's the big idea? I think when you look at broad diagnostic blood testing, 70% of medical decisions are informed by blood testing, by blood results. Right. 50% of a patient's medical record is blood results, right? Over 10 billion blood tests are done a year in the U.S. It's the most um, utilized medical intervention. Right. Yet 40% of people report skipping. What and do you mean report skipping? If you ask, they would get a script from their doctor or they're asked to get blood testing. Oh, go to this lab, get, get a, right. and they're just like, no, I don't want to do it. They that. don't get it done. It's, right. it's highly underutilized. And what's super important is I can't look at you here mm-hmm. and say, are you healthy or not? But if you give me broad blood results, I have a very good picture of biology. It's probably the single most important thing to do to both proactively drive health, manage disease, and look at disease. That's why as soon as you're concerned about anything – your clinician sends you for blood work, right. Right? right? right. So the question is, this is so important. It's utilized a lot, but it could be utilized more. But the issue is it largely hasn't changed in over 70 years. Right. Right. In 1947 or around there, Joseph Kleiner invented the vacutainer, invented a way of collecting blood reliably from a vein. Vacutainer. Yes. That's a new word for me. That's that is, that is, that is uh, the BD device, and, and, yep. um, but there's many like it. Um, it hasn't changed in 70 years, and it hasn't not changed. There's been a lot of innovation when it comes to the testing you can do, accessibility, but the, the direct human interface of how a blood sample is collected and how it's largely processed hasn't changed. There's been a lot, a lot of advances, as we all talk about in oncology and other areas, but the really important stuff of knowing your, your red blood cells, white blood cells, your proteins in your blood, cancer markers, how do you collect that sample and how do you process it so you can look at those results Proactively for wellness, and if your tracking disease hasn't changed, that is the intravenous in you know in the crook of your generally forearm. in the crook of your arm, right? And for many people, it's very traumatic. Beckton Dickinson, a market leader themselves, talk about that over fifty six percent of people have difficult veins, mm. which for the majority of them take two more interventions. Everybody has stories of venipuncture. Two um, two more interventions mean you get two or more sticks more to once. try to get yeah. a sample. Done. Right, right. And the question is, how could we bring an alternative to market? that allows a different form of collection. But the key thing here is without sacrificing quality, menu breadth, cost structure, and results that your clinician can trust. Now, I'm going to stop you right here because I've heard this before. Sure. And I feel like you should be wearing a black turtleneck and have (laughs) blonde hair. Um, Of course, I'm talking about Theranos. This was the whole idea, right, of of changing – one, changing the way you can draw blood – making it less traumatic because it's a, in, in that case it was a finger stick and you could pr- carry yep. out. I can't remember how many they said, dozens and dozens of tests. Yep. And that, as everyone knows, was a fraud. It was just too difficult. And they tried and tried and then they started lying about it. And yep. that's a whole different story. 
I read the book. I wrote a bunch of stories about Theranos. So I came away with the impression that this is a really good idea, but it was really hard to pull off. Yep. So what are you guys doing? No. <laughs> great, 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 great question. I think as you can imagine, one we both lean into and love to answer. I'll take a step back and talk about the orange story of Babson because I think it's an interesting yeah. one, yeah. but also plays to why we're uniquely positioned to tackle this problem. Theranos got it really right when it comes to the customer. People wanted a true alternative, right? right? You saw in how excited people were for it. They failed in their integrity, in their ability, technology, all the other stuff yeah. everybody knows very well about. At the time, I was with Siemens. I was leading a number one or two point-of-care business for Siemens. Um, other people that were in Babson were leading other parts of businesses. And I was constantly fielding questions in 2014 from venture capitalists saying, should we invest in Theranos? And going to board meetings of other labs saying, what are we going to do? They're disrupting And what were you making at the time? Or what were you I, I, I was on? leading – so. Siemens is one of the, yeah. the, the leading diagnostics companies in the world yep. across imaging and, and lab testing. They make the instruments on the lab side that do the testing of blood. Right. At that time, I was leading the point-of-care business. So probably the thing that resonates the most is if you donate urine at your doctor, there was a good chance that was being tested on one of the Siemens products. Gotcha. But also, I had previously ran R&D for the core lab of Siemens. So Siemens' current kind of premier instruments, the Atelica, I was a lead inventor of. So I see. very, I spent 20 years in diagnostics, grew up in diagnostics. I've always had a passion for healthcare. Couldn't be a clinician, so focused on the intersection of innovation and med tech. Company I was part of got bought by Siemens in 2006, and I was just given a lot of great opportunities. So from afar, when you saw Theranos happening, and they're worth seven billion dollars and all these investors and everybody's like oh my god they're changing the world and they're doing these deals with Woolworths and all this stuff were you what was your assessment or did you have one yeah I mean as you could imagine we started to really look at it right our thing was if our customers are being potentially to be disrupted we have to do something because it's a sizable business and that's why we that's what we started BAPS and AS inside of Siemens so we started to incubate the idea of could you really do broad testing not one or two tests, but the most commonly ordered broad panels. Because from, that was the idea, right? It was right. like one drop or whatever, could, and you could do all Right, that was the idea. Tests. So the question is, everybody has thought about it. For 20 years of yeah. my diagnostics career, it's been thought of. So the question was, could you actually do it today? Now, we were coming on the heels of Siemens developing a new analytical system, broad system, You know, these giant systems that test blood in labs. I had been running a point-of-care business for a number of years. We had, we had been surveying the space, and we pulled together a beautiful team together mm-hmm. with the only goal of, hey, just like you would do any kind of venture startup, let's start to look at this problem. What is the exact problem we want to solve? How do we solve it uniquely? Because we knew solving it with a system sitting at the site being tested probably wouldn't scale over time because of unit cost structure and somebody needs to sit yeah. by an instrument. You need to start to think through what's an architecture that would really work? And then is there technology that could be applied or could we develop technology? So we started to incubate this in 2014 inside of Siemens. By 2016, we had figured out the back end actually, which was how could we do more blood results with smaller volumes of blood? We had also invented some very unique technology around what's called pre-analytics. So how do you take a sample from how it's collected and prepare it so it 
can go into a, on, onto a high volume system. Right. What you don't right. see phlebotomists do is actually they spend a lot of their time besides mixing and labeling. They have to time the sample for the serum samples to clot them, refrigerate them, all this stuff that you don't see, highly manual. How do we automate all that? And then also, how do you make it so that you can maximize the clinical utility of the blood you collect? So the back end is how do you need less blood on yep. a high volume system without doing tricks like diluting sample and adding fluid right. to your blood? How do you maximize the clinical utility of the sample you collect? But we didn't have a great sample collection partner, to be because honest. Because, and just so people understand, and I think most people will know this, the kind of the state of the art, so to speak, or just, or this, let's say, the traditional way we test, do broad uh, panel testing right. uh, of blood. How many vials do you need? It, it, collecting two plus vials of usually yeah. around 10 milliliter, ten milliliters of blood each. Yeah. And those are like those finger size. Yes, yes. Everybody, right. Everybody's experienced them. Yeah. And, um, you know, the, the people that make them, including BD, who we partner with, does a really good job with those tubes. It's just for a lot of people, that interface yeah. with a needle going in your arm is not friendly. But the beautiful thing of it, it, you collect a large volume of blood and you don't have to really worry about how do you utilize that blood because you have so you have much enough. of it, right? right? The question becomes now when you start to say that blood is your is the thing you have to conserve, the volume, now how do you make sure you maximize the utility of it without sacrificing being able to do broad menu, quality, quality and, all right. those aspects? Because that was always a trade-off, right? That if I do a test near the point of care, maybe the results aren't as good as the cost structure is not as good, but I'm getting a quick result. Right? And you're seeing this a lot with some of these at home where it's, it's directional testing. It's not clinical testing. Our thing was, right. since we originally incubated it inside of seams, it had to be of a, a level of that quality. So approached Beckton Dickinson in the summer of 2016. Happened that they were also working on some new technology, and it's been a beautiful partnership on that side. Long story short, various reasons, Eric Olson, who's the founder of Babson and my partner, we've been working together now for over 20 years, left Siemens founded Babson, got seed funding from Ventricle Prism, and then Siemens spun out all IP and know-how and licensing into Babson, made a cash investment, and signed exclusive relationships. And then we signed some also agreements that are all public with, with BD around exclusivity. And actually what's cool is a lot of Babson IP is contained in the device we're developing with BD right now. So basically what you guys did is effectively spin out all this work you had been doing inside Siemens and then right. BD did as well, put in some of their IP. So all the stuff you'd been working on spun out and funded in a new company. Yeah, kind of what's it. kind of unique. It's kind of opposite of a typical startup yeah. path. Typical yeah. startup path is really cool idea, get it going, and then a corporate buys you. Yeah. We did the opposite for various right. reasons. But I'll tell you, both Siemens and Beck and & Dickinson have been incredible partners for us. And it's one of the reasons why we're able to tackle this. Is it fair to kind of just summarize what you're what you guys are doing is basically Theranos realized? I think from the human interface, yes. The promise that Theranos realized yeah. with the differences based in solid technology, based in things that are done the right way, with incredibly strong partners in this. Because I see the uh, little things, yeah, little stuff you have on the table here. So I don't know if you could explain. Yeah. So I, I mean, I again, we're pre-launch. We're marching towards launch yep. and finally the clinical. Starts with with uh, our partnership with BD. It's the BD Mini Draw. We just did a really cool preference study with BD, where at three different pharmacies in in Texas, people came in, they got sampled using the Babson method using Mini Draw, and then two weeks later, we're called back by a third party, 
and the results are 90% of people had a positive experience, 89% would recommend it. This for blood testing is pretty amazing. Yeah. But again, it's something where you would walk into, our first launches will be at retail pharmacies. Right. And I'll talk more about our, our, our digital, everything digital first. You'll just show them a code. They know nothing about you other than they're collecting one or two tubes. Five or 10 minutes, you're in and out. Super simple collection. Just our, And our, it's from a fingertip. From a fingertip, right. Typically, your middle or, or index finger. And there's a lot of innovation in this device. I wish I, I had some vision view. But a lot so of this kind of looks like almost like a, kind of like almost like a, a butterfly thing that yeah sticks on your finger and then at the end is a little space and then this is where the blood goes in. Yep. So if you go to BD Investor Relations, you can see the collection device and as you can see there, Danny, a lot of innovation when it comes to ensuring a high quality sample. It's like on a hinge and then you push the hinge down and then I presume you press down there and then it pricks. I mean. It, it, it basically you use a lot of commercial off-the-shelf stuff, but it, yeah. it goes on your finger. It, it it guides who's collecting for you to lance in the right location, mm-hmm. and then everything else is pretty much automated via somebody pushing on on ear devices on the tube. What's beautiful here is you collect a very reliable sample, and it's something that we've worked with BD for a long time on because blood is is very perishable. You know, I, yep. I, blood has red blood cells floating around that you do not want to disturb. It's called hemolysis because they have very high concentrations. I like to say it's like putting a few drops of dye into water. You can't reclaim it. So that's key there. There's a lot of innovation that we've worked together with BD on this tube. And then this tube plugs into the whole BAPS ecosystem. The whole, the whole back end, which right. So right. we leave a small device at the retail pharmacy or anywhere we're doing collection that automates everything from connecting you to the tube to mixing it to timing centrifugation to refrigerating it. It makes it super simple. It's a caddy and talks it through. And then our couriers come once a day, proactively restock supplies, pick up the samples, and then bring them to our highly automated lab. Our first lab is in Austin, Texas. So I spent my time between the East Coast and Austin, Texas. We have an incredible team in Austin. We have a beautiful, clear, high-complexity, cap-credited lab in Austin, and that will service our launch markets, which will be uh, Texas area. And then we will expand step-by-step nationwide. What's the other thing? This is just a little trinket we give out to people, and that little jewel there, which is the size of a small P, is the amount of blood we collect. So it's a a really good visual way of, of seeing that. I see. So it's, that's it. That's it. Now, the key thing here is how do you make sure you're not wasting that blood? And that's BAPS and IP call reverse centrifugation and other things to, so that you're, in the end of the day, we, we use everything but about a fifth of a drop of blood that's in the tube. So really maximize that. And so how many tests are done on that little pea-sized container of blood? So we do, from from that on the serum side, we're, we're planning to do everything from comprehensive metabolic panel to thyroid to a full lipid panel, including directly measured LDL and LP little a, to TSH, PSA, and other te- vitamin D just from that, that small amount of blood. That's one of the beauties of, of our Siemens partnership. We're able to actually miniaturize Mm. the amount of blood needed. We, we don't run it differently than, the, than the, the native semen system does. What we're able to do is modify the, it's a, it's a printer toner cartridge approach yep. where every assay has a different toner. We're able to actually, instead, I say, instead of making a mixed drink in a large glass, we make it in a thimble. So all the local dynamics and concentrations are the same. Well, we've optimized it for sample volume. And it's just been a, it, we're very happy with our, with our clinical results there. 
millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. For me, beyond the technology, what is super exciting is what it's going to do for me and you and for people that are listening as a patient. Since we started Babson in 2014, 2015, we've said few things were a must-have. Had to plug into the business of medicine because there is a standard way doctors order blood results. There is standard panels to get reimbursed. There is clinical performance. So we wanted to uphold that. And it needed to be a better experience, right? And what, what's been super excited beyond the preference studies I discussed with you is not too long ago, we did a, a seven-site, three-state clinical study with our retail partners, mm. right? Where we would set up in a retail pharmacy on a Monday, typically in yeah. their in their vaccine room. And then Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, we recruited clinical study participants where they would come in, they would get collected using the Babson ecosystem, collected using the conventional ecosystem, and then that was tested so you can show the, the clinical equivalence of results. But more it was so that the retail partners could see how easy it was in a transactional environment, right? right? So they could see how easy it was to fit into the pharmacy workflow and other workflows. What's incredibly excited there is when you see people that diagnostic blood testing is critical for them, but is a very traumatic event because of the amount of vasovagal reaction, or as you said before, for millions of years, we've been through evolution, we've evolved to say, don't put shiny things into soft yes. parts of our body, right? Yep. Vasovagal is very real, neophobia is very real, and difficult veins is very real. Sorry, hold on. What's vasovagal? Where, where people have a reaction, they pass out or get sick when you put a, when you put a needle in there. In their vein. How common is that? I don't have statistics yeah. on it. I could just tell you qualitatively in our clinical studies, it's very pervasive. Yeah, because I've given blood before and I was like, okay, do, do you have a problem with needles? Make yeah, sure yeah. you're sitting down, very relaxed yeah. you, because they're like, we have people passing out all the time. And I was like, does that really? I've never seen it happen, but obviously I'm it, sure. It's, 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 it's more common than I would have thought. Yeah. And also those people self-select. Right, you can imagine if you have that kind of feeling, For you're sure. going to sell. We have a few people at Babson that even have it. They're in this industry; yeah. they love it. They love Babson because they're a consumer. So bad that even a vaccine needle gets them passed yeah. out. So they have yeah. to lay down. It's very, the dignity is tough. And what we found during these clinical studies, beyond the formal preference studies we've done, is when you're recruiting a dozen or 20 people a day, you're getting a very vast population. You're getting people that have an actual issue with blood collection. You have people that are just interested. I remember one woman that was super powerful to me, which uh, with tears in her eyes, she said, every time I go to get blood, I'm trying to quote her directly, but this is a, yeah. every time I go to get blood, three people try and usually they give up, right? We had that. We had people that have had cancer and their veins are blown out. Mm. And one, whether we like it or not, opioid addiction is a real issue and people recover, but they still have that stigma of every time I go to get blood tested, somebody sees my arm and they know what I went through. So that also gives, gives people back. All those are super powerful. You also have other, other patient classes that just said, I'm at my pharmacy so often. It's so close to me. I yeah. would just love to get it done. Right? I would just love to be able to walk in here just like my vaccines. I mean, vaccine is a great corollary for us because 
I mean, the data that we have said vaccine utilization doubled in 09 to 19, even pre-COVID, yeah. because just making it accessible, right? You used to have to make doctor's appointments. We also saw during COVID, where did people go to get COVID testing, especially initially? They went to their pharmacy mm-hmm. because it was so convenient. It was a trust, very trusted space. And, and what it said to me is, why can't we do the same for blood testing? Where I can go in there quickly, quickly give a sample, and then call me back the next day or two with the results. Yeah. And that's what we're going to bring to market. And so you've been working on this since 2014. Yeah. I just think that's interesting also going back to the Theranos example and generally the Silicon Valley disruptor mm-hmm. example, especially when you're talking about medicine yeah. or medical diagnostics. Because yeah. you guys have been working on this for nearly a decade and it's still not approved by the FDA. Is that correct? No. it's We're in, we're in a right. commercial process. In the process, right. This stuff is hard and it takes a long time. Especially if you hold integrity. So I, th- I think that's super critical. Um, when I led a venturing group, I would always joke that any good startup is 10 years old. And maybe not this direct company, but maybe there was a few others before that. When you're trying to go after a big target, right? We're not going after rapid testing, one or two, two examples here. We're not chaining together pre-existing. We're saying we want to really reinvent end-to-end process that hasn't changed in over 70 years. And we want to do it right. This takes the systematic nature of of decomposing the problem and doing it right across the board, especially if you're going to do it in a regulatory framework that we think is the right way to do it and what people expect, right? Because nothing's worse after to make excuses why this is not clinical. Why? So we've really gone after the big, the big, big challenge. And with that, the beauty thing is we have the right partners behind us mm. and we feel we've done it in the science first way that's part of our culture. And how do you think about the Theranos effect? Because I imagine... You can tell me if it's different, but I imagine there's there's two sides to it, right? Like the idea that that company socialized, to your point, is like, mm-hmm. oh my God, there's maybe there's a better way to do this. Right. That's a huge thing. But also then it turns out to be a complete fraud and the founder's yeah. in jail. And so I don't know if you also get, you know, when you're talking to potential partners or regulators and you get the eye roll of like, yeah, we've seen this, literally we've seen this movie before. Sure. I'd lie to you if I say it wasn't something that we constantly get asked. We lean into the discussion, and we do something called the Better Way Challenge. So, you know, under IRB, under everything the right way, almost every one of our investors and partners has come to Austin, been part of a clinical study, where they show their results done doing the Babson ecosystem end to end. Yeah, and then we collect actually two different sets of venipuncture tubes, standard methods. One gets tested in the Babson lab. One gets tested in a third-party lab. You follow your blood for the whole testing, and you see that you compare the results. So our whole thing is we don't have to tell you, come and see it for yourself. Come experience it. Come get a collection done. You're invited, Danny, to come get it done and be part of our, one of our clinical studies. Right. I think that is super critical that we see that there. Also, you could imagine we have, we have both – Siemens Health and Ears and Beckton Dickinson on our board of directors, the level of quality that that requires is, is a whole different level. So I think, yes, we've been at it for in earnest for, for about eight years because we're tackling a very big problem and we're doing it in a science-first, integrity way, which we feel will, in the end, will bring a true solution to people. I presume you're, if not majority-owned, mostly minority-owned by your two founding big corporate partners. And if it works, you're kind of effectively 
disrupting core businesses of them. What is the nature of that relationship and how do you see that developing? If if you guys are successful, I mean, do you just get gobbled back up by the, the companies yeah, I, that I, kind I, of spun you out? Or I, I, I think um, one thing that's beautiful is it's a giant business, right? The outpatient out, diagnostics is a 50 plus billion dollar business in the U.S. alone. Right. The incumbents play a really critical role if you're dealing with oncology and other stuff. This is a big business. It's largely fragmented. We think we could really bring a, a, a new alternative and really address this routine and disease management screening and other things. I don't want to talk about our partners, what their intentions are. I think everybody understands that innovation drives business, that innovation in healthcare is super critical, and that it could only help everybody if we drive innovation. Usually, I don't want to talk about cap table, but we're hugely lucky to have these partnerships, not only for investments that some of them have made, but also just for the being able to combine both the startup speed with the breadth and capabilities of large companies. And it's just been on both sides, incredible partnerships. This is a bit off piece, but do you have a view, given this is what you're working on day in, day out, on this idea of liquid biopsies? Because I know there's a, there's a lot of companies, mm-hmm. another kind of, let's call it a holy grail. There's a lot right. of holy grails yeah. around. <laughs> but one of them is get a blood test. Oh my goodness, you have stage zero cancer. Right. And if you catch it that early for many cancers, that's like, that is the difference between life and death. Yeah. That is something that a lot of companies are chasing. There's been a lot of money thrown at it. What is your sense of that? It's funny, as you can imagine, it's a space I've tracked for a long, long, long time. Mm-hmm. I'm excited about it. As a future, there's a lot of innovation, a lot of spend being done. I actually have a, a broader view of it, right, which is liquid biopsy or circulating tumor cells or things like that. The beautiful thing is if you add more data to it, right? And, and I'm not trying to bring this to Babson, but I think it's super important you look at both, which is if you look at people's broad blood results in retrospect, because there's very few expert systems that really help that, but you will start to notice, hey, you know what? Their ALK-FOS level started to increase. It was still within normal range, but hey, you know what? For that person, it was increasing. Or their liver enzymes were also increasing very slow, but they were increasing. Or their PSA maybe wasn't doubling, but it was increasing faster than it should have. In retrospect, you always say, I should have caught that. Like, how do we not catch it, right? But most people are not comparing last results over time. It's still normal ranges are very broad because what's normal for an 18-year-old healthy male might be different than a 59-year-old healthy male, right? Just different. So my question is, if we could do a little more holistic, which is just your routine stuff, constantly be looking at if you see any signals that something might be going on. Reflex is not only liquid biopsy, but broad tumor antigen panels and other things we can do using testing that's available today, right? And I think that's what what I'm really bullish is, is the integration. Is you start to integrate all these data sources and you have somebody looking at it, right? I always joke that if somebody bounced a check 30 years ago, a bank could find that out for sure. In, in, in a minute, right? Yep. If I asked you, get me your latest blood results, most people say, I don't know, yeah, i got to yeah. go find print yeah. out somewhere or an email somewhere. And I think that's an issue, right? That how do we make it so that all these data sources get integrated so that we're looking for minute changes in your personal biology, right? Because everybody's an N of one. And then how yep. do we make sure your personal biology, and then we start to chain these advanced testing. First is people just get tested, 
you know, do your annual or however broad testing, track to see if things are affecting, especially if you have a history, and then start to bring these other things in. I think that's what's beautiful. A little bit is we're, we're, we're stepping over that first step, which is just keep screening going, right? Mm. Um, but I, I'm bullish on new technology. Yeah. You know, your blood is amazing, right? Your blood has thousands of things floating around in it. A lot of stuff we're just learning about now. Mm. And we've seen how certain markers have just changed the world, right? right. You know, troponin changed the whole way heart attacks are, are, are treated. I have no idea. Please explain. It, it's, a, it's a marker of, of muscle damage, especially okay. cardiac muscle damage, right? And it's floating around in your blood. Right. Only if you have muscle, that kind of muscle damage. So it's a very quick way of right. knowing. And we will see. And that you can see that pre-heart attack, like, oh. Very like, low or you're, non-existent. You're super if, at risk. No, this this is one where it tells you if you're having a heart attack or not. Okay. Troponin does. There's other things like PSA doubling that gives you a view of, hey, are, is something going on right. with your prostate? And then there's other things, the other things in the blood that you can look at for other cancers or other health states. We also know that more I like to drive health more, that, hey, if your inflammatory markers are low and your HDL is high and other things are really good, then probably you're in good shape, right? We all know that if your A1C is in a good range, then your me- you know metabolic health is probably really good. So I think I like to proactively look at what markers can you make lifestyle or other different changes to to drive into a better place, so that you have some assurance things are going well. You're not looking for it when it goes out of range. Right. That you're using the results to proactively drive your health. There's a lot of this going on at the moment. I mean, you're wearing what looks like an Apple Watch or something. Yeah, I've got a I've got a Fitbit. Yeah. There's a couple companies in Silicon Valley at the moment who are selling like full body scans yeah. yep. for a couple grand and you go in there yep. and I guess they give you a sense of anything that might be amiss in your body. It does feel like we are, well, I'm trying to understand where we are because it feels like it's becoming easier and easier to assess your health. Yes. But I don't know what that's, what good that is. You know what I mean? Like, because it feels so uneven and it feels like, oh, we have all this data, but it's like, okay, well, to your point, yeah, where's it all go? How's well, it being I, made use of? So a little personal, just mm-hmm. personal story. So, you know, I think we, sometimes when you're in it, you have a little of you, you see all this stuff, but yeah. is the general population always experiencing that? And I'll go back to something I say. I was lucky. I had a colicide. I competed a little bit in Olympic lifting when I was in college. I had a great coach named Bill Starr. who was pretty famous. I wasn't going to take steroids, so he said, try vitamins. Let's see how it has an impact. I quickly realized getting some blood work would tell me if it's having an impact or not. And it's just been great, a little bit of the early days of biohacking he was involved mm-hmm. in and just from oh, the sports. And I've looked at it nonstop. Of, what are the vitamins you took? Well, I mostly just <laughs> – I mean, back then it was mostly just – minerals and things yeah. that support, you know, loading up on vitamin C for recovery. Nothing really yeah. miraculous, right? A lot of fish oil. Um, I'm a Eastern European stocks. So you have the typical me- metabolic issues they have. So yeah. me personally, I take a lot of things that, that help there. And, and I really track my A1C and HDL and other things that are really important. But we're a little unique, right? We're on a tip. What I'm talking about yeah. is how do you make the general people well, that's, have that's access to point, it, right? right? So yeah. I always say that we're stepping over hundreds to pick up pennies as a concept. And the whole thing is, yes, all those full body scans and all, they're all super interesting, especially if you're doing the simple stuff, which is just get blood work done, yeah. routine blood work. 
Just track your A1C, track your lipids, track your liver enzymes, right? Do your stuff that you know is is good for you. Just move every so often, right? Yeah. Um, that's what I want to make sure we're doing because those pe- the people that are interested in biohacking and full body scans, I'm not worried about them. They're going to take yeah. care of themselves. Yeah, yeah. It's your friend's uncle or your friend's father or your friend that maybe isn't taking the best care of themselves. And the problem is once you are pre-diabetic or diabetic or you have some cardiac, yeah. it just it's so hard to come back, right? It kind of gets to this idea of, you know, this everybody talks about preventative medicine all the right. time. Also this idea that you can't fix what you can't measure. Right. So if you can make it as if it's a finger stick and it takes five minutes as opposed to like I got to sit there and watch, you know, what feels like half of my blood supply right. leave my body. Right. That feels like um, it's almost like a piece of infrastructure for a new type of healthcare approach. Reduce the friction. I think everything yeah. we're talking about here is about reducing friction. So our whole thing is make the collection side of it super easy, like you said. Like, you know, if you get your result in a day or two, that's fine because most of the stuff you're not going to take a cute action. I think everything we're wearing, Fitbits and stuff, they reduce friction. And what does that mean? Like, you know, it, it might sound crazy, but if you set a 10,000-step goal and you're it's 7 or 8 o'clock at night and you're at 9,000 steps, you might go for a quick walk to get it done, right? Or just knowing how your sleep has been or just, just reduce friction and make it easier for people to, to integrate together. I think that's everything we need to do in healthcare because everything else is friction reduced. I can go eat 20,000 calories by walking downstairs and going to convenience center, right? I could refinance my mortgage you know, in a, in a few clicks yep. of a button, everything else in, in our life has been friction reduced. Let's, I mean, the most important thing, not, money doesn't matter if you have a health issue. Yeah. And how do we reduce that? And how do we make it so, as you said, we can move more towards proactivity and feeling empowered and take away the fear. I mean, there's still a lot of fear of what what's really going on here. What does this really mean? And how do we start to reduce some of that fear also? Right. How much money have you guys raised? As an independent company, a yeah. little over fifty million. Fifty million. Yeah, I presume you're gonna have to raise more. You guys out looking for some? I'm not gonna comment our no, fundraising, yeah. <laughs> but I think um, you know, as a venture back startup, you're yeah. you're always in, in the field. Um, yeah. And in terms of getting to the promised land, is it basically FDA approval? Right. So I think the the next major milestone is clearance in in, in our partnership with BD. And then start to roll out. We're going to roll out first in Texas, in, in Austin and San Antonio. We have a great partners there. And then rest of Texas and then start to go metro area by metro area. With healthcare in particular, yeah. cost right. is kind of yes. paramount. I agree. And I'm thinking also like you know, we have a lot of listeners in Britain. The NHS yeah. Yeah. has huge challenges in terms of cost. What does that look like? Because it feels like, you know, are you a pain reliever or are you a vitamin? You probably want to be a pain reliever for, for health systems. Right. What's unique in diagnostics is there's something called the clinical lab fee schedules and CPD codes. Since day one, one of the other things we said, we had to plug into the business of medicine, which is order the same way doctors are used to, yep. get understand that reimbursement is, is what it is. So that's how we plug in, right? So the same CPT codes and reimbursement that other labs get is what we're plugging into. Um, we're already a Medicare vendor Medicaid in, in Texas and we're we're in process with some of the largest private payers. But so you can just plug right in and get the same fees and whatever. Yes, because of the quality yeah. of our results and that right. we have complete panels. So that's on, on the US side. So our thing is 
because you're dot Babson, it shouldn't, as we said, the whole quality, convenience, yeah. cost stuff. We've actually had some conversations with with potential partners in the UK and other places. Um, UK actually has a huge push in the NHS yeah. to move towards pharmacies and other areas. As you can imagine, there's a lot of future expansion for us when it comes to let's get the launch in the US going really well in Texas, and then we'll look at all these other expansions. But we're open for discussions because this is not a US problem alone. It's, it's a world problem. Well, it's so funny. There's so much heat and light around Theranos, and obviously it fizzled. And it feels like you guys are on the cusp of actually doing the thing. Yes. But nobody knows about you. Isn't that kind of weird? Yeah, well, this is, this is part of us knowing about us. So, um, you know, the question always becomes when, when the trial was going on, we purposely didn't lean into it and do a whole bunch of interviews. I just, yeah, I think one of the things that get missed in that whole thing is I have three daughters. They're all pretty technical. Yeah. And they all like science or like, who is their role model? The biggest sad thing of the, the Elizabeth Holmes trajectory is my daughters could have had a really great role model. Yeah. I think we sometimes lose that, and I purposely stayed away from that and didn't, we, we purposely as a company, I wouldn't say nobody knows us, we've attracted some really good investors, but I think this is part of us ramping up now and not getting ahead of our skis, which is making a whole bunch of claims that we can't back up using our science first, but uh, Danny, I appreciate you having me on because this is yeah. part of our uh, getting <laughs> to know, right? Yeah, yeah. well, um, well, great. Uh, let's Let's have you back on once you guys... Have your next big event. I presume that would be FDA or when it's getting out there in the wild. Yeah. But um, yeah, very exciting. No, it'd be wonderful to have you when we launch in Texas and the Austin area. Come down when we launch and actually see somebody get collected, yeah. see the test being done, follow the whole process, and that'd be super cool. Cool. Thank you very much. Thank you. And that is all the time we have. I want to thank David for taking the time. I want to thank you all for listening. And as I said, we have one more episode of this year, 2023. I cannot believe that. I'm saying those words. Coming next week. So I will be writing about, I think I might be writing about Netflix this week, which is kind of a fun piece. So do check out the paper or go online, thetimes.co.uk. Find me on Twitter at Danny Fortson. Email me, danny.fortson at sundayhaventimes.co.uk with any questions, concerns, suggestions, etc. And I think that's it. Thank you, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.